This is episode 117 of Reconcile the Isle. What on earth is going on? Rocket Man. Puerto Rico. Russia, 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 Russia. Eight accusers. Several allegations. Thousands of cases. Charlottesville. Horrific shooting. Deadly school shooting. The third deadly mass shooting in a week. Category four. California wildfires. Entire ecosystems are collapsing. Government shutdown. I've never seen this country divided like this. This is astounding to me. Reconcile the Isle. Welcome to Reconcile the Isle, where my characters and I are figuring out how we can have meaningful dialogue about difficult topics. My name is Lauren Lojudice. Today, we're going to speak with my special guest, Mary Goggin, the writer and performer behind Runaway Princess. But first, let's go to our Stupid People segment. So for those of you new here, this is the part of the podcast where we salute stupidity. Because what unites us across all sorts of boundaries, what unites the world, is that we all hate stupid people. So here's our segment, Stupid People. You go in the store, I really like this country in like uh, 10 years or more or whatever, but it's happening now. The kids are so stupid, go in the store, and if they don't have the machine that tells them how much change to give back, they don't know what the fuck they're doing. So like, if I go in the store and I buy something and it comes to $2.58, if I give that kid eight cents plus a, you know, a $5 bill, or if I give him a three singles and eight cents, or a $10 bill and eight cents, they have no fucking idea how much change to give you back. They look at you like a three-year-old kid who was watching a magician who just showed them an empty hat, and now he pulled a rabbit out of it, and they know where the fuck the rabbit came from. They are so fucking dumb, like, but it's, it's, it's only $2.58. You gave me more than $3, or you gave me more than $5, and you gave me $5.08. Yeah. Now you got to give me $2.50 back real fucking hard. So for these poor bastards, no rectums because they're so fucking stupid. They have to live with themselves for the rest of their lives. Okay. Wow. People are so stupid. Let's start talking about the interview with Mary Goggin. Mary is a New York based actor born to Irish immigrants and raised in the Bronx. Mary attended high school in Ireland and is recovering nicely from sexual repression. In 1992, Mary discovered she is an actor, and now she is, in fact, a working actor in New York City. We're going to talk a lot about her solo play, Runaway Princess, which is a hopeful take of heroin, hooking, and happiness. If you're wondering how you can turn addiction and recovery into art, you'll want to hear this episode. Stay around until the end to hear about this episode's giveaway, and you can always sign up at laurenlogie.com slash podcast to get the link to all the wonderful things that my podcast guests and I are giving away for free to subscribers, and you'll get reminders when we publish this every other week. My co-host, Melania Trump, flat out refused to do the interview today. Melania, what's the deal? It's too close to home. Well, Melania, she's not Slovenian and you don't drink. Ooh, the other thing. No response for Melania. Okay, so you can get more updates from Melania at themeliashow.com. All right, let's go to the interview with Mary Goggin. 
Thank you, Mary, for joining us on Reconcile the Isle. I'm honored. Mm. Mm. <laughs> what we do on this podcast is talk about how to have difficult conversations about difficult topics. And you've managed to do so much of that with your show, which is your story. And yeah. so tell us then about your story and how it came up to you creating the show Runaway Princess. I knew all my life I had this incredible story that I survived. And I'm kind of shocked that I'm alive, tell you the truth, as are many other people. Uh, and it finally was time to write it after, you know, my mom died and I had taken care of her. And so I, I inherited some money and I could just spend all my time and focus and, and just really write it. And uh, I wrote it to let people know that it's okay to talk about your secrets. And it's not preachy. It's just me up there straight on telling you how I drank you know, how to choose a pimp in the life, how I w became a hooker, how I ran away from home. And, and it's a lot of stuff that when I was new, when I, I'm sober 32 years, but when I was new, I would wait for people to say things that I could relate to. And nobody talked about hooking. It's this huge shame. Nobody talked about, uh, you know, just really shooting dope and leaving your daughter alone in a crib, you know, and the horrors of being a drunk and being a mother. I didn't hear it much. But when I did, it gave me permission for me to talk about my secrets. And that's, in my opinion, the only way to heal is to get it out. Because yeah. otherwise, I just keep drinking and put it to keep it down. And I feel... I felt like garbage when I first stopped. I felt like the lowest of low. And then I, and then I realized it, it was like, it's like when you put, um, when the garbage man comes to pick up your garbage, you don't wait and see, oh, wait, where are you going? Like, come back. And I don't worry about where it goes. So that's kind of worked for me anyway. So that's what the show is about. It's basically my story. And my passion is to have people have the opportunity to hear it that are not in recovery, that I might, might reach somebody that doesn't have that opportunity. And it has affected. I've gotten letters and people stop drinking and mothers about their children not listening to them and, um, you know, pointing the finger like, what are you doing? Stop. It, that doesn't, that shit doesn't work. Yeah. And when was the moment where you knew you had to quit? I had been evicted and it wasn't the first time I and I was losing a job that I had a receptionist job because I had my I gotten my daughter back so I cleaned up I got a job in Manhattan and uh, I was a battered woman that was another thing I was so glad that I was a battered woman and, you know that meant I didn't have to stop drinking I'll just be a battered woman you know? mm -hmm. but uh, I was relieved honestly when I found that out but I was uh, living with a guy I had got my new apartment uh, through Battered Woman Lady and he came over and we got drunk and he hit me and he broke down the door and she told me to get out, don't come back. And I was losing my daughter again because I had blacked out on her in a street corner in a flower store and uh, mm. fortunately they got my mother. So I was, it wasn't that all this stuff was happening, it was that it was happening, I had lost her before. So there's a moment, and I don't want to ruin the show, but I don't think it will, that she looked at me and I was on the phone with Battered Woman and she's talking about going away and she overheard that and she looked at me and said mommy you can't go away you're all that i have and for some reason and everybody has their moment 
But that was my moment that I just, I was, you know what? I can't do this to her. It doesn't matter what happens to me because I'm shit. And if I, if it doesn't work, I'm just going to go someplace, do what I'm told. And if it doesn't work, I'll just go be homeless again and hopefully be a bag lady and die as soon as possible. But it, it worked. And I, uh, I got in treatment and I learned uh, that I wasn't alone. And that's a big thing. I don't want to change the subject, but that's, that was my moment to quit. But that kind of concerns me in this, in this whole COVID situation. Mm-hmm. Like what do people do? It's, and it's because when they were closing everything, they're closing this and closing that. And it crossed my mind. I wonder if they're closing the liquor stores. Mm. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, where did that come from? It's just, ah, uh, yeah. And where can people even get support now that are people moving meetings online? Yeah. And the thing is that I don't, I guess this is kind of a private conversation, but it's against Alcoholics Anonymous tradition to break one's anonymity on a public level. Yeah. And you have to register with Zoom. Oh, oh no, no. It's not about that. It's about me speaking on it. But Oh, I see. I see. I, you know, talking. So I will say that if one finds himself in a position locked in a house, haven't been drinking for days or whatever, and, and you just know that it's time, you can go on um, newyorkintergroup.org and there are tons of Zoom meetings or there's a chat. You can chat somebody. It'll talk you through it. I actually called AA at one point and it's just about, it's just that moment of clarity. It's just that moment. I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you're an actor and a writer. What came first for you? Oh, an actor. Yeah. Uh, when I got sober, I went, I was going on these retreats and there was this nun and she looked at me and she said, are you an actress? And I said, yeah, I wish. And I realized that that is what I wished. And Mm. I do the, the uh, artist way, the Julia Cameron thing, scholarship to Marymount Manhattan, the theater department and all the stuff started happening. And I haven't had a day job since 99 now, which is, I'm an actor, which is an incredible community. And even now with this pandemic, they've been really supportive. Yeah. Financially, everything. It's being a New York actor is the best. It's amazing. Yeah. So that came first. And then how did you come to writing? I have always written in, you know how you have journals and you write like two Mm -hmm. months to get a new journal? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, maybe this one will be the one. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I just knew when it was time to really put it down and I just really worked on it. And, uh, I had a first director, a woman, she was a friend of mine. Her name is Vanessa. She actually came to my mother's house. She said, you have to write this. And, uh, and that was eight years later when my mom died, then I knew that it, it was time. Hmm. Everybody has, has always told me that it had to be, because I don't want to, um, it has to live. It has to be, have you ever felt like you want to be immortalized? Yeah, I am. Like, what will I be remembered for? And I truly believe that the, the life that I've lived, that I was meant, to, this is my calling in life, to, to pass this on. And mm. so I had to do it. Oh. And I wasn't getting any younger. <laughs> so I knew I had to do it. What have been the response from the show? Overwhelming people. The big word that I get in all the reviews is that they're riveted because 
it's a lot to take in and it's I've, I've heard life-changing I've heard I can't believe there's one woman in the in the back when I was at the Actors Guild in January and she said uh, she's gonna die she's gonna die she's gonna die no she can't be dead because she's right there so she can't be it's people in in Galway write me emails that they stopped drinking and um, and he actually lives in Ireland this guy and he told me he was a uh, New York state trooper and I told him I said you probably busted me you know <laughs> <laughs> but drinking it's it's an equalizer alcohol yeah. it's kind of like the virus mm-hmm. it doesn't discriminate yeah absolutely not absolutely not and I wonder like um in the convention of the solo show because I've done solo show too and like so you do them and then it's like how do you create conversation around them where do you see the conversation happening is it like at the bar I guess after the show um are you ha- did you ever have any talkbacks or anything like that like how are how is power conversation starting from the show My first talkback was scheduled and then covid hit I had two shows scheduled in yeah. um in City Island in this cafe and I had yes. a talk by a shrink which my feelings about talkbacks is that I've seen some of them and they seem to be self-serving mm-hmm. you know what I mean so what I wanted was somebody a professional to have that conversation mm-hmm. and, um, and it didn't happen yet mm. I have a, a woman a friend she has a teenage daughter and she couldn't handle her and she was out and she was mm-hmm. sh- shooting dope and she didn't know what to do. And uh, I said, you, I need to look, and I'm a mother, and, um, well, mm-hmm. but I need to look at my listening skills. It's yeah. not much. To tell a teenager, don't go out, don't do this, it's like ridiculous because that's their back, you're putting their back up against the wall. But she did get into therapy with her daughter, and she's doing great. That's amazing. I've had... Um, I'm actually sponsoring a woman now. She has 48 days that saw my show in a pandemic. Wow. 48 days in a fucking pandemic. Do you know how that is? That's like, no hugs, nothing. That's like you want it. Yeah. So on a personal level, I've had a, a lot of great feedback and it's really touched people's lives. Yeah. yeah. It's like when people go to a solo show, it's so personal or like seeing, um, a reflection of someone when it's done right and raw, which you do is you're bringing yourself to the stage and showing humanity in all its flaws and beautifulness and vulnerability to people. And it like opens up their heart in this way. We can't do it on zoom. I don't think we cannot do it on YouTube. That's, that's a really good topic. I got an invite by this, uh, I think it's called ELC emerging leaders conference. Mm-hmm they do is they are they work with sex workers mm-hmm. and a lot of the uh, women that are turned out and live in, in the life you know with a pimp uh, or they're online and they're seduced online and um, it's about sharing and I'm so excited about that but it got canceled because of mm-hmm. COVID but that's where I'm going with this you know they'll listen so much more to people someone that's been there but I did have a couple of uh, women that um, were sex workers that uh, that actually turned me on to this place and um i've gotten a lot of great feedback one woman i was getting out of the car and she said you're my hero she said she, oh, i couldn't believe it she said you're my hero to get up there and say what you did like that just to say it you know get it out there yeah did you ever like did you have a moment when you were writing it were you like 
I can't believe I'm saying, like, what were your feelings? Because everyone else is shocked you're saying it. And are you shocked when you were writing it? Or were you afraid? I'm still sometimes, uh, there's part of it that I can't believe that I'm saying this. But as an actor, I use that. Yeah. Like, there's yeah. a part in it, like, uh, there's some, I didn't see my pimp, and he, his hose taught me the five top rules of the trade. Like, number one, make the deal. Number two, get your money up front. Number three, no kissing. Number four, check for warts, crabs, you know, other suspicious fluids. And number five, get him off as soon as possible. Get the fuck out of there. That has always been a tough one for me. And I had it much more graphic, but my director stopped me. He said, it's enough, Mary. It's already uncomfortable enough. You know? But that's, that scene, that whole hooker thing. I still don't believe I'm saying it when I'm on stage, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I find sometimes when I'm writing something and then I say it, it just, it's, but it's I, at the time, I can't believe people think it's shocking because to me, it's just the truth. Right. Um, I, I, that's why when people say like, you're so edgy or you talk about it's weird or I'm like, but I'm just saying the truth. And this happens every day. Like, why are people surprised about like, oh, sex worker, like you are a hooker. Like, you know how many people are using them every single day? Like, let's not try to pretend this is something unusual. But you want your daughter to be one, that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. But it's important because it is, sometimes I feel like we create stuff without even, um, it's like the full force of it is just, it's just going to come out and, and, and be there for people. And it's your, and then when you look at it objectively, you're like, holy shit, <laughs> I wrote that and now I have to say it. And you have to like almost like step into it, even though you wrote it, but then you have to like grow into stepping into that, those words that you wrote. It's a very interesting process being a writer and a performer because you write the words and they come from this place that's like super deep and just comes out before you even can catch up to yourself with it. And then you also have, then you have to, as an actor, look at the words and then inhabit them. And it's almost like coming at it two different ways, which is beautiful and also very scary. Because the writer sometimes is hiding behind a desk and a screen, ha doesn't have to stay them in front of everyone else, which the actor does. <laughs> Reliving it. Yeah. I've been asked, how do you do this? How do you relive this on stage all the time? It's... Yeah. Do, do you know that at all? You say you don't know. Do you have any idea? Uh, well, I'm a professional. Mm -hmm. And that's what that's about. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Hey, well, I'm an actor. <laughs> Man, I won Best Actor in Galway. In our, and Ireland loved this show. And uh, I want to take it to Edinburgh next. Not this year. It's canceled. But yeah. next and do a European tour because it's very Eurocentric. And I think, but Ireland, nobody talks about anything. Like if there's a feeling in the room, kill mm. you know? But the women, especially the older women, they all had tissues. I mean, they had got their husbands at home having DTs and, and here I am on stage acting that out. And it, it was, it blew them away and it was so healing. I was so well received there. NDT, what's an NDT? Delirium tremens. Oh, from, yeah. Yeah. When you're um, shaking and there's a scene in there, like when I, uh, after I get sober and my daughter I tell her I'm so sorry that you lived in that apartment with all those roaches. They were everywhere. They were like, and she goes, mommy, there were no roaches in that apartment. You know? So it's not even knowing what you're crazy. You're like seeing things. Yeah, yeah. So my characters have some questions for you. Okay. You requested Melania. And also I think my character, Queens Marie, wants to talk as well. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. 
I love her. <laughs> All right. So I'll just come out first because you like me and stuff. Because, like, I just want to, like, come out and, like, be with people who like me. You know, like, I can't stand people anymore. Like, fucking, like, I can't even go on Facebook. Because I don't even like, like everyone there. And, like, no one likes me. I'm like, fuck you. Like, who the fuck are you? You know? So anyway, I just want to be like in digital spaces that are like conducive to like conversation like this one. All right. Yeah. So I haven't seen your show. Like I really want to, but like, like, you know, I've just like get out of my, I live in my parents' basement all the way in Queens and I have to go all the way to Manhattan. So I have to like find a day when I get up like work, you know, early enough to come. I'm, I'm the number one neighborhood esthetician. If you didn't know, call me. All right. So listen, I mean, I've been taking a feminist self. I know I'm from Queens and all this stuff, but I've been taking a feminist self-directed reading course. So I'm like up, you know, like on things. And I'm just trying to understand, okay, like as a feminist, you know, like I know a lot of scumbags, right? So the thing is like, I understand like sex workers want like rights and like be able to like, you know, like, you know, be valued as workers and not like look down upon and not shamed for like what they do. The thing mm -hmm. is now I'm talking, not talking about them. I'm talking about the scumbags I know who will, you know, do things behind their, like, so-and-so's back, you know, so-and-so girlfriend or so-and-so wife. So the thing is, like, if we normalize it, then will it be, like, okay? Are we making it easier for people to be scumbags is what I'm saying. You know, it's the person who, like, goes to church and sits in the front row, and meanwhile, you know, on the weekend, they're, like, do-do-do, like, all, like, with the, like, hooker on the side. You know what I'm saying? So how do we deal with that? Hookers have been around forever, and they have a job. And uh, it's, I'd rather have my guy, if I mean, I wouldn't have, if he was, if somebody's my man, he's not going to do that shit anyway. But I would rather have uh, a situation where guys going to just pay for it and just let it be because there's no emotional involvement. Hmm. Hence, no kissing. It's just, yeah. it's, it's a mechanical, uh, physical action. It's like, you know, going to the bathroom. You know what I mean? It's just a physical need and it, it, it just cuts off the emotion yes because, like yes totally but like the scumbaggy guys you know like how do we like you know we want that like people be able to do what they need to do but then like they're they're running around on their lady you know and like maybe like do, you know not being honest about stuff and then they maybe could go you know you need to be honest with what you're doing because then you could like bring something back you know no one's getting tested you know what i'm saying so would you like, well, I don't know how to deal with that, you know, that whole aspect of things. So do you have a guy that's doing that now? Oh my God. I had like, no, I'm not dating anyone anymore. Cause I'm like reevaluating my life. Cause like I, whatever, like Vinny, like, I can okay. tell. yeah. I can. So like that feeling, I just have to try trusting, you know what I'm saying? Like trusting. And I just feel like all these different ways, like they can go on Tinder, you know, they can go on like the U point. Like they just have so many ways of like not jerking off to like me, you know? And it makes me insecure. How do you deal with that? I don't date. <laughs> <laughs> okay, tell you. Um, I just, I think it's about choices. It's about choice who I choose to be with is what I think it's about now, which is, um, that's the only way I can live. I can't live with myself. and Like with a married man, I couldn't do that because it's mm. just my thing. I guess you, you would you would just have to have like open conversation from the beginning. Like things wouldn't be like off the table, so he could like oh maybe tell you or something if he needed. Um, being a hooker? Yeah, I guess so. Is that yeah. what you're doing? That's not what I want in my life. I have choices. I'm responsible for my happiness. You know, I don't need to have some guy that needs somebody else. Yes. Unless he, uh, unless there's a total physical reason. 
All right. But you know, it's just hard. I think it's hard to trust people and it's hard to know like where people are coming from. And I guess you need to just find someone who's as open hearted as you are, which I will never do in Queens. So I just need to go into Manhattan more. Okay. So listen, I think I have an idea, which I think would be guys in Queens. I'm sure. You know? Yeah. I don't know. I I know too many of them. It's about, it's about having a good heart. It's a, it's not about money. I just been dumped by too many guys in Queens. So I'm like, kind of like, ew, fuck you. You know? You know what my problem is? I still, after all this time, like if somebody's a nice guy, nice doesn't turn me on. I like bad boys. Oh no, Mary. I do. I love bad boys. Like if somebody's really, really nice and they really like, there's really a part of me. It takes a long time to get better. I'm like, well, you like me. What's wrong with you? Well, suspicious. You like, know, there must be something underneath. You know, like those are the people like sitting in the church from Pew running around on the weekends. Like I'm so suspicious. Exactly. So suspicious. I don't know. But I think what we should do to like make, I think it would be great if we had fair trade sex trade, like fair trade sex workers. Like maybe people you could go and it's like a stamp. Like I am doing this because like I feel good about it. You know, like no crack included, you know, like really... It would be nice to know, you know? For who? For you or for the trick? The trick doesn't give a shit. The trick doesn't give a shit. I guess for the people, you know, like that want to go. So then you can be like, all right, if you need to go see a sex worker, at least make a fair trade. So I know like, you know. Make it a little with integrity. There you go. There we go. We could start a business. What are we doing? Get a stamp. There we go. I would only, I would only, I could definitely filter the bad ones out. You know, just and they would know that they weren't going to get ripped off and they weren't going to get a disease and they were checking, you know, all the dicks and everything. So that would be important. There you go. You'd be the, you'd be the controller of the business. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank you for appeasing Queens Marie. So Melania, you really wanted to talk to Melania. Yes. Um, whew, someone with a sordid past. Okay. Feel free to go off on her, whatever you need to say. It's fine. I acknowledge I bring someone who is triggering. Do you have a question you'd like to ask her or would you want her to ask you something? Um, are you happy? I mean, I know you don't love Donald Trump and I know that you, I, I just know that you're not physically attracted to him. So how can you live with yourself being with him? Well, I, basically I close my eyes and count to 3.1 billion. Wow. I don't know. You know, the love thing is so much of the West, right? All the, the, the fall in the love, the love story I find so funny, you know, right? Love can just buy you a green card. I think that's much more appealing. Mm-hmm. Unlimited shopping trips. I have very nice life. So when I think of love, I think, oh, that's a fancy thing that maybe people do sometime, but not interested for me. Okay. That would mean that my heart is not a piece of charcoal that I found in the basement of the Trump Tower. Are you really pissed off that you're first lady now? Oh my goodness. Oh, what a terrible job. I have to, my schedule is filled with Pilates and looking out window. Now I have to go take pictures with poor people. What a, it's disgusting. It's disgusting. I know. I just say one time a month, we do a few pictures at a time and then I go home. Okay. So when you were in the hospital, was it really your kidney or did you have work done? I thought my kidney operation came out very well. Well, you don't have any boobs, so I don't know what the hell they worked on. <laughs> well, the person playing me don't have the boobs. She actually stuffed the bra when she played me. But <laughs> the person who do the... I'm allowing have very big boobs. Oh, after the Stormy, I say, Stormy Daniels, you have all the boobs. I'm going to show you. So I came back after the kidney operation with a boobs. I'll do... 
the doorway. But that's shit because you can't show them off because it's you're the first lady. It wouldn't be cool. I know. It's bad. I show them enough to the people who pay the checks. <laughs> and walk around the house or the White House naked a lot, I'm sure. There we go. I walk in my own. Gl- I have my glam room suite up. You know, funny thing. It's where the, I thank goodness for the Obamas in one way. I say because in the, the attic of the White House, that was the converted to be a suite for Michelle's mother. But now, ooh, it is for me. I have a whole glam room complex up there. And I just walk around and they, you know, you never have to wear a bra again when you get a boob done. So that's very easy for me. Don't? No. I didn't know that. I just throw some band-aids on and go on with my life. Yes. I love Melania when you talk about things that nobody will talk about. Well, I, I talk about it to you. But. Wow, I just learned something. You special, Mary, because we have something in common, but I can't say. <laughs> You're a fucking hooker, bitch. Just. <gasps> oh, no. You are. Oh, no. Oh, no. I hide. I turn, I turn red in my bronze or turn red. Oh, no. <laughs> you know it's true. How, do, how would you know, Mary? What do you know about me? Why do you think I hook her? It takes one to know one, honey. <gasps> oh, no, Mary, no. Yes. You got to come see my show, Melania. You would love it. And especially because it's being brought up in another culture and having another culture affect who you are. Oh, yes. I'm sure being Dracula's daughter had a lot to do with you. That means I have to reflect on my own experience and then think. Right. Oh, no, no, I can't do I will. I will send someone to give review, okay, <laughs> that I will tell me. Okay. I would like to come. Maybe I come, but I might have to, to run out, evacuate the building. I'll just have someone build a thing in my seat. I press the button, and I go through the roof into the Air Force One. Oh, my God. And back to the Mar-a-Lago. I love talking to you, Melania, though. You're so distant that it's really nice. Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm friends with Reconcile the Isle. They make me do more work I do not like, but then I send them things and... Ah, they're the only people who allow me to talk. This is the only show I'm allowed to talk on. And then they give me things to do in questions I don't like. But, you know, at least I get to do talking more than I ever do in my life on this show. It's so important to share. Yes. You know, share (laughs) jokes, things. This is the most I've ever talked about the things, but um, I'm so tired. I think I've had enough talking about important things for at least the rest of my life. So thank you so much, Mary Gorgon. My pleasure. I'm so glad I met you. Oh, the best. Bye. It's funny. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk to you about is I've been trying to figure out, I, my, my instinct was, oh, I got to put the show up on Zoom. Or in, and, and I really think that it, it wouldn't do it justice. You know what I mean? The, no. the energy and the blocking and there's not a lot of tech, but there is tech. And no. so I'm just kind of holding out. I think you could do, and I think this is for when I look in at a lot of these shows, and this is my opinion, and maybe it's judgmental. I think most of it sucks. Like, most of it sucks. Boring. 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 Same shit. Well, two things is, one, you can't connect with an audience, and we know that's, like, the whole point. Like, your show is powerful in the connection you bring. Like, you're connecting with the audience, and it's your force as an actor, which is doing that. Like, that's testament to your acting work and the writing. You are connected and you can, it's an energetic thing. You cannot do that over Zoom. At least we haven't developed the technology yet. So I feel like- um, I'm glad you agree. It's really validating. Yeah, it's really, and I think you can think about the topics around mm-hmm. Runaway Princess. Maybe like you have a conversation with someone who's running that, um, you know, maybe you read just like three minutes 
five minutes of a monologue or something. Right. Just and then you, yeah, just to like, just to share with people like your show, very Mm -hmm. small. And then you have a conversation with someone like around the topics you're talking about would be um, my suggestion. It's like a way to continue because we have to like in this quarantine. And if this happens again, like it might be a second wave, like we're not done with pandemics. We just became aware that they can happen to us because they've been happening to other people. So I think we have to learn other ways to create the stage work we do to whether it's stand up or whether it's a solo show or theater, be able to create an online experience. And it's going to be different. It cannot be the same. It cannot be a reading. Okay. It cannot be a fucking reading or a fucking stand-up show because it's not, it's boring because the connection's not there. That's the thing that makes it magical. And I've seen them and they're friends of mine. And I just like, and I didn't want to, and I just didn't say anything. Yeah. It's not for a lack of talent. No. It's, it's just the, the magic just cannot exist in this way. So where can people find you no matter when they listen to this, whether in the middle of a quarantine or like, where you can go to my website, runawayprincessplay.com or on Instagram, uh, marypat218, Twitter, marypat218, or best way is my Facebook page, Runaway Princess Play. Call me. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you. You are a treasure. And um, we'll catch up with your show very soon. Okay. Okay. Thank Thank you. you. So, Melania, when are you going to go write your own solo show? Are you kidding? As soon as she said, speak honestly, I knew I couldn't. That's ridiculous, Melania. You can actually physically speak about it. Like nothing is actually stopping you. Oh, an NDA? No, 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 no. You would make Melania way more money telling Donald's secrets. That's a great point. I will send to my prenup lawyer immediately. Oh dear. Okay. So for the rest of this, let's think about this. Performing your story on stage can inspire other people to make similar change. Write it and just go for it. It will change your life. You can overcome shame and stigma and live a different life. Let me know what you think. Before we go into the I Don't Care Do You segment, I'd like to do two things. First, I want to encourage everyone to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It really, really helps other people find us. Second, I want to tell you that you can go follow Reconcile the Isle on my Twitter and Instagram at Lauren Logie, and do consider signing up at laurenlogie.com slash podcast to get the free stuff from me and my guests. This episode, we're going to be giving away photos and video from Runaway Princess Play. You can go see it yourself when you sign up to become a VIP, laurenlogie.com slash podcast. You're going to see firsthand the incredible work that Mary and her director, Dan Ruth, did on the show. There's some really exciting news. She is now raising money through Fractured Atlas, and the link is in the show notes, and I will definitely put it in the VIP group. And she's going to be doing this show at an at-home studio, invite only, get in touch. You're going to have to see it. It's going to be incredible to be doing that in that intimate space. COVID isn't letting us perform in theaters, and Mary is making it happen herself. Super badass, just like everything about Mary. So go check it out on her Fractured Atlas link, which is going to be in the VIP group and in the show notes. Also, when you're on my website, you're going to find out about some very exciting things going on, namely my book, Inside Melania, What I Learned About Melania Trump by Impersonating Her, is coming out July 4th. Woohoo! And we're doing tours 
with the Melania Trump Roadshow, get out the vote and get me out of the White House of Garbage virtually. And sometime after then, uh, we are getting some dates together. It's coming out. Make sure you check in on the website. Listen, we have to learn how to have public dialogue again. The world's on fire and we've got to talk about it. And there's no better way to understand the importance of this than by reading the headlines. So Melania, give us the top headlines in the I Don't Care Do You segment. Here's all the things that I don't care do you about. Record number of coronavirus cases in the U.S. and still people don't wear masks. Mail-in voting is in dispute because some people don't want some people to vote. Read between the lines because I don't have my glasses. Roger Stone gets another two-week delay before serving his jail sentence. Isn't that nice? But I don't care, do you? Thank you to everyone who has made this podcast possible. Thank you to Sophia Reyes-Jones for editing, to Devin Edwards for creating the intro, Christopher Catalano for the voiceover, Maddie McLennan for making the podcast art, and a shout-out to Alan Waters, Danny Holtz, and Craig Franson, who helped me to conceptualize this podcast. And of course, thank you to Mary Goggin for being such a wonderful guest. See you in two weeks.